Well, if you've been with us over the last few weeks leading up to Christmas, and now, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to do the same thing uh, today. We've been talking about some of the things that we say and sing around Christmas that we're really not exactly sure sometimes what we mean. In fact, as I thought about it, some of the things that we say and we sing only at Christmas can be confusing to us. If we actually had to explain them to somebody, we know that they're important and we know that we say them and we sing them around Christmas time, but we're not 100% sure exactly uh, what those things mean. And so we've been talking about some of those things over the last few weeks. A few weeks ago, we talked about the word Emmanuel, and we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. We said, well, what does that word mean, and why is it that we use it, and why is it that we use that word especially at Christmas? And then we also talked about the phrase, joy to the world, and we said, well, what does that phrase mean? We know we use it around Christmas time, but what is it that that phrase actually means? And I know sometimes some of these things, uh, we're not exactly sure. It can be confusing. In fact, Dr. Ken Robinson has one of the most watched TED Talks of all time. He's an educator uh, from England, and, and he has one of the most watched TED Talks of all time. And in that TED Talk, he tells a story of just how confusing some of the things that we say at Christmas can be. He talks about going to his child's uh, Advent play at their school. They had a big Christmas play there. And in the play, it came the time for the three wise men to come out on the stage and to present their gifts. So the first wise men came out on the stage, and he said to Mary, he went to Mary, and he said, Mary, I have brought you a gift, and my gift is gold. He gave the gold to Mary, and then the next wise man, the young man, came out on the stage, and he, he came down to Mary, and he said, Mary, I have a gift for you, and my gift is myrrh. Presented that to Mary. And then the third young boy came out, the wise man, and he came up to Mary and he said, here, Frank sent this. <laughs> and some of the words that we use during Christmas, some of the things we say during Christmas, they're kind of confusing to us, aren't they? We're not exactly sure what they mean or what we're supposed to do with them. And so this morning we're going to talk about uh, another one of those things. And that is, uh, we're going to talk about a song that we sing. In fact, we sang it this morning. And it's a song, it's an old spiritual song that we sang, Go Tell It on the Mountain. What is it that we mean when we say that? Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. What are we talking about when we sing that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain? And we'll be talking about that This morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you want to grab your Bible, you want to turn there, we'll get there in just a moment. Before we do, John, are you able to find the slides? It's not running right. right. That's okay. Um, So you really want to grab your Bible or look at your phone in Luke chapter 2. If we don't have the slides, we'll we'll just do it old school. Not transparency. It's even older than that. (laughs) You know, information in our world is everywhere. Uh, In fact, most of us right now have a little rectangle in our pocket that immediately gives us access to almost everything that's ever been discovered and those things that are being discovered right now. 
All that information is available to us. Everything that's happening around the world, what people are thinking, what important people are thinking and saying, what our friends are thinking and saying, the people that we allow into our circles, the people that we follow, the people that follow us, all of those sorts of things. What are they doing? What are they thinking? We have access to all of those sorts of things right now with a little rectangle in our pocket. In fact, some of the information that I'm going to be presenting this morning, at some point uh, you'll say maybe the information in that rectangle is more exciting or important, and you might even check it out. That's all right. But uh, that we have access to it more than ever before. 24-hour news networks, our phones, our laptops, our tablets, everywhere we look, we have access to information. Some of it is very important information. Some of it is that we need to know. In fact, if there was a big event that happened around the world, uh, most of us would know about it almost immediately because of that access. Some of it not so important, some of it, uh, you know, I, maybe you're like me. Maybe you have certain uh, news sites that you like to check out uh, every day just to see what's going on. You go to foxnews.com or cnn.com or the post or whatever it is that you, that you go to and you like to look at. And some of it's very important. But if you're like me, sometimes it's the, you know, the unimportant information will catch your eye too. And you'll find yourself reading an important article and then you see the headline, you know, off to the side in the corner that says something like, the cast of Full House, where are they now? <laughs> or maybe, you know, for somebody, the cast of Andy Griffith's show, where are they now? And, and you, you click on that. You click on that, and even though it's unimportant, you still want to consume it. We still want to consume the information. And then not only do we consume the information, then we feel like we need to share the information. You know, I bet someone else would want to know what happened to that guy that played DJ's boyfriend or whatever. And so we want to share it, too. So not only do we consuming the information, but we're sharing it like never before. Some information is trivial, but some information that we get that we have to share is quite important. Just last week, uh, Lori and I have a nephew who's named Maddox. Some of you may know our brother and sister-in-law, Mike and Melissa D'Agostino. Their son, Maddox, is only eight months old. Last week, he had to have some pretty serious surgery that they knew he was going to have uh, since he was born. And he was down at Boston Children's Hospital, and uh, thank God the surgery went fantastic. He recovered quickly. He was out of the hospital after one night. It was really quite amazing. I was talking to my brother-in-law, Mike, and he was talking about the experience of sitting in the wait- waiting room at Children's Hospital. And, you know, Boston Children's Hospital, it's number one on so many lists. People come from around the world to have their procedures done at the Children's Hospital here in Boston. He says, you had all these people from all over the world filling this big waiting room. And then there were, was doctor after doctor after doctor. And every so often they would watch as a doctor would come out and tell the family really important information. And he said, I couldn't hear a thing that the doctors were saying, but you could tell very clearly from their reaction what kind of information they were getting. Sometimes very good information, and there was relief, and sometimes difficult information. And sometimes we have that kind of information, too, that we have to share. We find out information, and it's really good information, and so we have to figure out how we're going to share that with everybody. And those are the fun ones to share, the times that we get to go out and say, hey, I got the job, it's a boy, things are going great, all those sorts of uh, pieces of information that are important pieces of information, great information to share. And then we have those things that are difficult pieces of information to share. 
you know, things didn't go as planned. It's going to cost more than I thought. Those sorts of pieces of information. But there's another category of information that all of us have to deal with. And that is a category of information where we have information that we know is important. We know it's important information. We're just not sure how to go about sharing it with others. We know it's important. We know that it's vital information. We know that it's something that, that, that other people should know about, but we're not exactly sure how we're to go about sharing that information with others. This morning in the, in the few minutes that we have together, we're going to take a look at a group of people that received some very important information. And we're going to look at what they did with it. And then I just want us to ask ourselves the question, what is the important information that we have that we should be telling other people about? And how should we go about doing it ourselves? So we're going to look in Luke chapter 2 today. We're going to look uh, there in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verse 8 through verse 20. Talk about this group of people that received some important information and what they did with it. This is what Luke says. If you've been in church uh, for any amount of time, you're probably pretty familiar with this passage, but I'd encourage you to listen again this morning and listen to what God has to say to us. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, when we read about these shepherds taking care of these uh, sheep out in, the, out in the fields, we understand that, they were, that, that two things really happened here. The first is, is that they were invited to come and see something. The angels appeared and they invited these shepherds to come and see something that was important. And we sing about that too. 
We sing about the come and see. In fact, uh, on Christmas Eve, we sang a song that it appears on uh, Chris Tomlin's uh, new Christmas album. It's called Noel. And the words in that song are, Noel, Noel, come and see what God has done. Come and see what God has done. And we sing those words. And you know, for many of us, many of us, we don't really have a problem with the come and see words. We love the come and see words. If we're, so, if we're people that follow Jesus and we have a relationship with him, the idea of coming and seeing what has happened in the stable, in the manger, the idea of being able to sit in the presence of God himself and to worship in that moment and to see the child born, that idea of coming and seeing and experiencing, that's an idea that excites us. That's an idea that we like. But the shepherds just didn't come and see after they came and saw and spend time with the baby, the Bible tells us that they also went and told. That they came and saw and then they went and they told others about what they had seen there with the child in Bethlehem. So when we sing, come and see what God has done, those words can be comforting to us. But when we sing words like, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. We like that song. It's a fun song to sing. In fact, my daughter sang it for her preschool Christmas program this year. All the kids loved to sing it. It was a great song for the kids to sing. It's a great song for us to sing. But the idea of actually being the people that go out and do that Maybe we admire the person that has the courage to stand up on the mountainside and tell other people about Jesus Christ. But the idea of us doing that, the idea of us being the people, of me being the person who would be the one to go and tell, we think more, you know, I'd be happy to come and see. I'd be happy to come and spend time in Christ's presence. But the idea of going and telling, well, that idea, it just doesn't really excite us as much as the coming and the seeing. And this, this morning, just for the couple of minutes that we have together, I want us to think about that. Why is it that we're okay with the coming and seeing part, like the shepherds did? We'll do that. We'll spend time in God's presence, but the going and the telling other people about it. The time that our, that our neighbor starts to ask us questions about church the time that our coworker gets a diagnosis and they could really use some prayer, the time that our family member is, is going through a difficult time, maybe open to hearing about who God is and how much he loves them, why is it there that, that we hesitate to go and tell? I think for many of us, for many of us, we... It's not that we're against the idea of going and telling. In fact, we think we probably should be going and telling. It's not that we're against the idea of going and telling. We're not against that principle or that idea. I think many of us feel like we're just not the right person to do it. That maybe we don't have the right education or maybe we don't have the answers to the big questions. Maybe we don't, maybe we feel like we just don't know all the things. Maybe we're just afraid that we're going to be offensive to people and we don't want to offend anybody. And so it's not so much that we're against the idea of going and telling. We just 
don't necessarily feel like we're the right people to do it. Maybe someone else should do it. Or maybe I could take people to someone else who can tell them. But for me personally, I'm not sure that I'm equipped. I'm not sure that I'm, that I'm ready. I'm not sure that I can be the type of person who would be the one to go and tell. I think many of us feel that way. Here's the interesting thing about the shepherds to me. And the interesting way that God works when he sends his son. You know, the shepherds, they would have been out in the fields because they were around every town taking care of sheep that were, that were most likely used uh, in, the, in the ritual sacrifices that the Jewish people did. And so their job was to take care of those sheep. Now you'll notice, if you know about the Jesus story, you know that the reason that Mary and Joseph were in the town of Bethlehem is because they, uh, there was a census being taken in the Roman world. And so everyone had to return to the town of their forefathers so they could be counted by the Roman government. And so that's why Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem to begin with. You'll notice that the shepherds are not in a town. They're still out in the fields. Everybody else, even if they were farmers out in the fields, would have returned to a town to be counted. Part of the reason the shepherds were out in the field and didn't bring their sheep in town to be counted is because by, by all historical accounts of the time period, the shepherds were of a social class that wasn't even worth counting. And the shepherds were, were kind of a, um, for no better word, they, they, were, they were outcasts in a way. The one thing we know is true about shepherds is that when it came to the Jewish court system, they were the only class of people that we can find uh, that were not allowed to testify. That's how they were viewed. Common, untrustworthy doing menial labor that no one else would want to do, moving from place to place, just following the sheep wherever the sheep wanted to go. And they were not a class of people uh, that would have been respected. In fact, it's very interesting to me that they're not a class of people that the, that the Roman government would have been really interested in even making sure they got counted. So here you have this group of people and if anyone is not equipped to be the kind of people that would go and tell the greatest uh, theological truth in history, it would be the shepherds. But isn't it just like God to go to that group first? Isn't it just like our God when his son comes to go not to the people that have it all together in this world, but to go to the people who don't in this world, and tell them first. You say, come and see what I'm doing. Your hope is not in this place. Come and see what I'm doing. And so the shepherds come and see. And then the shepherds go and they tell. You know, a lot of times we don't go and tell because we would say, you know, I'm just not, I'm just not educated enough I don't have all the answers, but you know, our shepherd friends, they didn't have all the answers. They didn't know the Old Testament scriptures inside and out like a lot of the people that they were going to go tell. They didn't understand all the prophecies and how they all wove together and how they culminated with the birth of a baby in Bethlehem. 
They didn't have all the answers, but they went and told anyway. We don't want to offend people, and I, I understand that. It's a difficult culture that we live in. But you know, just this group of shepherds coming into town and trying to tell other people what to think and do, I think in some ways would have been offensive from everything we know historically about them. And they did it anyway. You know, even more than the fact that we feel like we don't know the answers and that we don't want to offend people, I think there's two overarching reasons, two real big reasons why many of us don't feel like we can go and tell or should go and tell. The first reason is I think that often, and I do this too, I think that we forget sometimes how high the stakes are. I think that we forget how high the stakes are, what we're talking about here and what we're talking about sharing. And the other thing is, I think that we, at the end of the day, we really honestly just don't know how to do it. When the angels showed up to the shepherds, the shepherds knew this was a big deal. I I took a quick look. There's nowhere in the Bible where angels show up and it's not a big deal. Nowhere where the angels show up to somebody and they're just, you know, stretching their wings that day. Anytime the angels show up, it's a big deal. And the shepherds know the angels show up. They give them this message. They go to Bethlehem. It's exactly as they have been told. The Messiah has come. God in flesh is among them. This is a huge deal. And so they go and tell. It's too big of a deal to just keep to themselves. It's too big of a deal to sit on and keep quiet. And sometimes I think that we forget how much of a big deal this is. That we're not just dealing with general feelings of meaning and purpose and hope in this world. But every person that stands in front of us has a soul that will last for eternity. And those who trust in Jesus Christ, that baby in a manger, will last for an eternity in heaven with God. And those who don't will last for an eternity in hell. Even as I say that statement, it seems harsh to me, but it's true. And I think sometimes we forget, we forget how high the stakes are. That we're not talking about helping people feel good so they can get through the difficult times in this world. That we are ultimately talking about the eternal resting place of the souls of individuals that God has put around us. And when Jesus Christ walked this earth, he had an amazing way of seeing the people around him the way that God saw them, not the way that other people saw them. And sometimes we forget to be able to see people, or we don't even allow ourselves to be able to see people the way that God sees them. And to remember the bigger story, that God sent his son to live and die on this earth, Because we are sinners who are destined to die apart from him. And apart from putting our trust and our lives in the hands of Jesus Christ, there is no hope for us. If I was to 
go down in the basement to the room where we keep all the money. That's not true. We don't have a room like that. I made that up. Pastor Rick knows where it is. Ask him next week. If we were to come up here, if I was to come up here, and I had uh, five big bags, and each bag had $5,000 in it, and I said to us in this room, listen, the first five people that leave this room, go tell someone about Jesus and come back. If you're the first one back and you've told someone about Jesus and can verify it, you get a bag of $5,000. If I was to offer that incentive, my guess is we would have five people back in about 15 minutes. So why then is it not enough incentive when we hear that those who die not knowing Christ will spend an eternity apart from him? Why is that not an incentive enough to get us to share? Why is that not important enough to us to get us to talk to someone? I think sometimes the, the real reason we're not going and telling the way that we should or the way the shepherds did, a piece of it is because we feel like we don't have all the answers. A piece of it is we don't want to offend anybody. But I think sometimes we just forget what we're really talking about here. And we forget how high the stakes are. Because when we remember how high the stakes are, the fact that we may not be able to answer every single question doesn't really matter that much. And, the, and even more so, the fact that we might offend somebody doesn't really matter that much. Now, I don't think necessarily that it's, that it's good to go get a milk crate and stand in the street and, and, and yell at people all the time. But God has put people in our lives, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family. For many of us, we have family members. And we're the ones they know who know Jesus. And the stakes are high. Even when we realize the stakes are high, even when we realize the stakes are high, I think that for some of us, we would say, listen, I understand the stakes. I know that they're high. I'm not even sure how to go about doing this. I'm not even sure how to start doing this. I, I don't know how, to, how I could even bring up the conversation. I don't even know what to share. I don't know what to do if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. So what do we do about that? A couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I went to uh, get my daughter up for school. Well, that's, I mean, she got up, she gets us up. So that's the other way. She came and got us up, as she does every single morning, about 5.45-ish. She came into our room and she said, Mom, Dad, it's all about me today. It's all about me. And I said, you know, something to the effect of, well, how is that different than any other day? <laughs> Seems to be how every day works around here. What she meant was, in her class at school, every student gets a week. And that week is all about them. So they bring in pictures of their family, they bring in their favorite toys, and each day they get a couple of minutes to stand up in front of the class and tell the class something about themselves. And she was so excited that it was her week 
This isn't her, but this is just general show and tell. It was, it, she was so excited, so excited that it was her week. And maybe you remember show and tell in school. You remember getting up in front of the class, or, or you know what it is. The kids get up in front of class, and they bring something that's important to them. And they get to stand up in front of the class, and they show and tell the class what it's all about. Now, my daughter took a couple of things that week. She took a book that she loves to read. She took stuffed animals that she loves to, to sleep with. And she brought them in front of the class. Now, here's what I know about, about my daughter. She's very bright, but she didn't know close to everything about the items that she was bringing up in front of the class. So when she brought a stuffed animal up in front of the class, she knew that it was a stuffed animal that she loved. She knew what the stuffed animal represented. It was a bunny or a dog or whichever one she brought that day. And she knew that she loved to spend time with it. She knew she loved to sleep with the stuffed animal. But if the kids really asked her the difficult questions about the stuffed animal, she didn't necessarily have all the answers. Where was it made? What's it made out of? How long will it last? What's the threading like? All those kind of questions about the stuffed animal. She didn't know those answers. But it didn't stop her from standing up in front of the class and taking those items and saying, these are things that I love. And I want you to know about the things that I love. Here's what I know about them. Here's what I love about them. And I want to share that with you. You're sharing Jesus with someone else doesn't need to necessarily be as complicated as we sometimes make it. Our responsibility is the same responsibility that the shepherds had. How much could the shepherds possibly have known with very little education out in the fields and then an hour in the manger, in, in the stable? Two hours in the stable? I mean, how much could they have possibly known? They didn't know all the, all the textual criticism questions from the Old Testament prophecies. They didn't know how to answer every little question that everybody would have about the coming of the Messiah and who he would be. All they knew was this was a big deal. And they were talked to by God and they experienced the presence of Jesus Christ and they just wanted to go and show and tell other people about it. Say, listen, this is who I know. This is whose presence I've been in. And because I care about you, I want to tell you what I know about it. One of the most helpful phrases that I've heard over the past couple of years when it comes to these sorts of issues, where we feel like we just don't have all the answers, and the people that we're talking to have so many questions, is to remember that it's not my responsibility to go and completely fill up someone else's cup. It's not my responsibility to be able to go and fill up someone else's cup and give them all the answers and everything they need to know. But it is my God-given responsibility to empty my cup. It's not my responsibility to fill up someone else's cup, but it is my responsibility to empty my cup. I may only know a little bit, but if I've only known Jesus for a day or a few hours, there's something that I have of him that I can share with someone that doesn't know him. If I've known him for years, there's something more that I have to share. 
And it doesn't mean I know everything and can answer every giant question. And when I watch the big debate on television between the Christian and the atheist, that I'm going to have all those kinds of answers. I may never have those kinds of answers. But there's something that I know about Jesus because I've spent time in his presence, and this is a big deal. And if I care about the people around me, there is something that I can bring to show and tell them about who Christ is. And it's not my responsibility to, f- to fill up their cup. It's just my responsibility to take what I know and empty it out into them. And say, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I don't know why that happened. But here's what I do know. Here's my story. Here's the time I was doing my own thing. And God dramatically and radically came into my life and changed everything. Here's the time that I had no peace, and God changed all of that. Here's the time that I felt hopeless, and then I met Christ, and it all changed. We don't have to have every answer. But that most important thing in our life, we should be able to go and to show and tell those who are close to us what we do know. You may know the name C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, uh, he was a theologian and philosopher in the 20th century. He wrote books that impacted millions of people. The Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity. There are millions of people around the world right now who believe in Jesus Christ because of C.S. Lewis's ministry and work. C.S. Lewis spent quite a few of his years, his early years especially, as an atheist didn't believe in God at all. And while he was at Oxford University, while he was at Oxford University, he started to transition from being an atheist to being someone who admitted God existed. Didn't really know what that meant or what it looked like, but he would at least admit that God existed and that made sense to him. While at Oxford University, he befriended a couple of men. There was one man named Hugo Dyson, and there was another man who would go on to affect millions of people with his Lord of the Rings books and The Hobbit, and that was J.R.R. Tolkien. So every once in a while, C.S. Lewis and Hugo Dyson and J.R.R. Tolkien would walk a path on Oxford's campus. It's called Addison's Walk. Still there today. And they would walk this path and they would talk about things, and I'm sure things that I can't understand, uh, but brilliant minds there at Oxford, and they would talk about different things. On September 19th, 1931, They were walking down Addison's path. And J.R.R. Tolkien took the time to share with his friend C.S. Lewis not just why he believed that God was true, but why he believed that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And what strikes me about that conversation, if you ever read C.S. Lewis' memoir, uh, his, his conversion story, Surprised by Joy, and, and some of the letters that he's written, whatever, what strikes me about that conversation is here you have some brilliant philosophical minds, and it wasn't necessarily that brilliant of a conversation. It was an honest conversation. It was J.R.R. Tolkien showing and telling C.S. Lewis what Christ means to him. A few days later, on September 28th, C.S. Lewis was taking a motorcycle ride. His brother was driving, and he was in the sidecar, and they were going to the zoo. It was actually quite a a long drive. It was about an hour and a half. And C.S. Lewis writes that when he got out of that sidecar, he wrote, I'm not sure exactly when it happened, 
But by the time I got out of that car, I believed in Christ. I was convinced definitively that Jesus is who he says he is. And then he writes, I'll try to explain more later. But the walk I took with Dyson and Tolkien has a lot to do with it. There are people in our lives that are waiting for us to show and tell them what we know about Jesus. We shouldn't stop because we don't have all the answers. We shouldn't stop because we don't know every last details. We shouldn't stop because people might be offended. But we should lovingly realize how high the stakes are. Find those people in our life where God is at work and show them and tell them what we know. It's the most important thing we can do. I'm going to invite our worship team back uh, up as we close this morning. And I just want to ask you the question. I'd encourage you as we sing this last song, as we close out our service, to think about who is it in your life? Who is it in your life that God might be calling you to go and show and tell? Who is that person? Who are those people that God has put around you that he might be calling you to show and tell Jesus to? I'd encourage you in these moments that we have to pray about those people, pray for those people. Ask God that he would give you the courage to be able to do it. I would encourage all of us to spend time asking God that he would give us everything that we need to go and do the work that he's called us to do. To go and show and tell others about his son. Would you pray with me? You know, maybe you're in this place this morning and you, have, you yourself have never been the one to come and see Christ. You yourself have never been the one to put your hope and your trust in him. I want you to know that no matter who you are or where you've come from, that Jesus Christ loves you more than anyone else on this earth ever possibly could. That he loves you enough that he would give up his life for you and die on the cross for your sin. So for those things that you've done that are against what God has said to do, those things that for all of us cause us to be separated from him, that Jesus has come and he has lived his life and he has died and risen again to take care of those things. I hope for you that this would be the morning that you do exactly what C.S. Lewis did in that car, in that sidecar, that you would in this moment and in this time pass from not believing to believing that exactly who Jesus says he is, is who he is as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, I'd encourage you in these moments just to spend some time in your own heart talking to God. Telling him that you love him. Asking his forgiveness. Telling him that you want to follow him with your life. 
And God, for those of us who know you already, who have been following you, some of us, some of us for a very short amount of time, some of us for a longer amount of time, God, none of us feel like we know everything, none of us feel like we have all the answers, but we do know that Jesus Christ is the answer to our deepest needs and our deepest longings and our deepest desires. So God, would you help us to be the kind of people who each and every day live with eternity in the forefront of our minds, that we would not think about today or next year, but we would think about forever. And we would make our decisions based on the reality that life doesn't end in this place, but that life continues beyond this world. And although this is our world is where we live right now, it is not our eternal home. God, help us to make our decisions based on that reality. And God, for those people in our lives who don't know you, we pray for them that they would come to know you and trust you. And God, we pray for ourselves. Would you give us the courage to show and tell those around us about Jesus Christ, no matter what the cost, no matter how difficult it is. Give us to do the courage, to give us the courage to do the same thing the shepherds did, to joyfully go and tell others about who you are. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together?